0: Our second reading is from Genesis, the first chapter, beginning at the 26th verse. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything he had made. And indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So, this morning we're going to think and pray on what the Bible tells us about God as the Creator and our relationship to Him as His beloved creatures, creatures who were made to know Him, love Him, serve Him, and worship Him. As you're probably aware, and maybe you've met some people like this, there's plenty of people these days absolutely categorically eager and willing to serve God. But they want to do that only in an advisory capacity. Creatures wanting to tell the Creator what He should be doing. And that's not biblical creation um, at all, is it? That's not biblical Christianity. The Bible reminds us that we are absolutely creaturely. We're creatures. But we're not just any creatures. Human beings are the only part of God's created order that bear his image. We have been created in God's image and likeness. We're different than the animals. We're created for a higher purpose. We are created for a life, a fellowship with God into eternity. Our reading this morning from Genesis, and it's echoed in the psalm that Nancy read for us reminding us of the fall from grace. Uh, Our reading from Genesis reminds us of three truths that have withstood the the foolish questions and the doubts of every generation. First of all, we are indeed, as humans, created in God's image. And in spite of all the talk these days about self-identification, God created us male and female. This gender complementarity is part of his design. And thirdly, before we fall It took the fall into sin, original sin, described in Psalm 51. God bestowed on the human family what we could rightly and faithfully call original glory. There was glory and goodness. God looked upon everything he had made, including the human family, and said, it's good. So let's look at those three briefly this morning, beginning with God's image. Uh, one of the key, most long-standing teachings of orthodox biblical Christianity is this truth. We are no accident. We did not appear on earth randomly. We are created deliberately, purposefully, by the one and only true living God. This truth is so long-standing that it was even... Uh, One that was expressed in Latin. And some of you might remember going to school and studying Latin long ago. Uh, We are imago dei. We are made in the image of God. Now verse 26 says, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And there's lots of strange speculative Talk these days about that plural pronoun. Some of you might even have Bibles where there are footnotes that speculate <laughs> as to what this might mean. Maybe there are other celestial beings, but we don't need to speculate when it comes to God's Word. We just na- need to let Scripture interpret Scripture. So I think, in order to fully understand God making us in our image, he says, we go to the Word, we go to the Scripture. Maybe you've heard this before, I hope so. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and that life was the light of all people. And then that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus, right? Jesus is the word of God God speaks creation speaks his word and creation appears that word is Christ that word was God is God was with God was made flesh everything that was created everything that came into being came into existence through him God's spoken word remember this in human history Jesus appeared about 2,000 years ago but that's not when he was created he's no creature He simply condescended and took on human flesh. He was there with the Father as God the Son. And that's not all. If you turn back a few verses in Genesis chapter 1, you'll see in verse 2 that the spirit of the living God was moving over the face of the deep. So do you understand this, friends? Before the world was created, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existed. The Trinity, the mystery of one God, three persons, the Trinity has always existed and will always exist. So when God speaks and says, let us make humanity in our image according to our likeness, he's referring to this beautiful Trinity of perfect fellowship and unity. You are created in the image of that God. And this image... It's so much more than just physical characteristics. It has to do with what some call ontology, our being, our very nature. And in that nature, it has to do with our relationship to God and with one another. And our place that God has assigned. Our place in creation of having dominion, having power, having responsibility over his creation. Verse 27 teaches us that God designed us to be male and female. This gender complementarity is God's ordering of the human race. It's not accidental, it didn't evolve, it was there from the beginning. Our Femaleness and maleness, if you prefer, femininity and masculinity, somehow these together reflect the image of the God who created us. There's a lot of talk these days about self-identification. I know this. I know this. And I don't want to offend anyone or get controversial in God's pulpit. But, you know, when it comes to identity, um, when I go to the mountains with my 54 caliber Hawken, I'm self-identifying as Jeremiah Johnson. (laughs) I am Jeremiah Johnson. But I'm no mountain man because I get in my Ford truck to drive home to my lovely house with electricity and swamp coolers and refrigerated food and a wife. (laughs) When I'm watching the History Channel, how many of you like the Vikings series? I am Ragnar Lothbrook. That's my self-identity. And then the phone rings. And Ragnar, to my knowledge, never got a phone call. And I'm reminded, no, I'm not Jeremiah Johnson. I'm not Ragnar. I'm not even Rolo. I'm Bruce. So self-identity is one thing. Reality is another. I was at a conference once when... Uh, A theologian who happened to be female said that it's a good thing God created us male and female because in a world of only men, everyone would be lost because no one would stop and ask for directions. (laughs) At that same conference, I kid you not, another presenter said, but imagine a world of only women where there would be tranquility and peace and harmony. And no need for armed forces because there would be no war. That speaker has not met some of the women I know. (laughs) But God created us male and female. That's his design. That's his plan. And I know there's a lot of confusion, but it doesn't change this truth. And then we hear in Genesis that God blesses creation. He blesses human family. He's pleased with what He's done. He looked at creation and saw that it was good. Creation reflected His goodness, His design, His glory. So we can, while speaking of original sin, talk about the prior original glory. But something happened, huh? And that something's called sin. The sin of disobedience and rebellion. The sin of creatures wanting to be more, thinking they know more than the Creator. Like those I refer to who are absolutely willing to serve God only in that advisory capacity. Yes, the doctrine of original sin is truth. It's not some... Idea made up by theologians or philosophers. Not one of us is born without the stain of sin. Not one of us is conceived in the womb with that original goodness and innocence of our first parents. You know this. We're born into a world of sin, as sinners, one and all. The prophet Isaiah foretells the coming of Christ who would suffer for us, but what does he suffer? He suffers in our place, taking the burden of your sin and mine unto himself. This is from Isaiah 53, referring to Jesus. He was wounded for our transgression, crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. All we, all of us, like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. And the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Uh, Nancy read, as I mentioned, from Psalm 51. The truth, not just of the psalmist's confession, but he describes our condition. Against you, I've sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. You're, you're right when you judge me. Surely I was sinful, conceived as a sinner in my mother's womb. But we were not originally created this way by God's plans and purposes, because God's creation originally did not include sin. That's the result of our rebellion our disobedience what's called our fall from grace but God's original creation was good very good and God blessed it and God never blesses sin that fall from grace it's a tragedy it's a movement from perfect beautiful life to darkness and death But in the word made flesh and the gift of Christ, God does what's necessary to save us from death and restore us to life itself. Earlier this summer, I was privileged when some younger men of this congregation invited the old senior pastor to go to the movies with them. These are younger brothers I love and respect. And I'm watching God moving their lives as they soon will be leaders and elders in this congregation. But the movie we went to see was uh, Dunkirk. How many of you have seen it? The tagline of the movie goes like this. When 400,000 men couldn't get home, do you know the rest? Home came for them. When they couldn't get home Home came for them Well God did what was necessary For you to get home Your eternal home And you can't get there by yourself And neither can I But Jesus came on a rescue mission To earth To live and die So we could live And go home That we could live eternally, live perfectly, secure in the Father's kingdom that has no end. So here we are, Sunday morning, the start of a new week. Who but God knows what you will face in these coming days. I hope there'll be some joys. You may face some sorrows, yet unknown. I do know this, you'll go into... The week ahead, surrounded by all the lies and all the false teachings that exist and will exist until Christ comes again. But as you go into the week ahead, you remember this truth. You claim it. You are no accident, you are created by God. You are loved with a holy love by your Father in heaven. And I don't care what you see when you look in the mirror tomorrow morning, whether you like it or wonder how I got so old. But when you look in that mirror, you remember this. You are made in the image of our perfect. And holy God. Amen.